It is Tuesday once again, and that means we're back for the Parish of the Patriots for the 255th. The 200. Yep, 255th time. I'm glad to have you here. I'm, I'm glad you showed up. If you are new, by any chance, I always hope there's some new people listening. Um, we do have a Christian-specific segment. That's roughly the halfway point of the show. And I say roughly. Sometimes it may be a little sooner. Sometimes it may be a little later. Stick around for it. It'll be different. It'll be different from what you uh, what you uh, probably would be expecting. I uh, hope you do get something out of the show. There's nothing behind a paywall. I have no Patreon. I don't have anything like, you know, you get better content if you pay for it. So as a result, if the show sucks, there's nothing better to offer. <laughs> Sorry, there's no better content somewhere else. Nothing behind a paywall. What you see is what you get. It's yours, free for the taking. I hope you get something out of it. And if you do get something out of it, don't be shy. Pay those ties. I do ask that perhaps you might drop something in the plate. Helps me out. Now, some of you may have noticed this brings me to the first point of today. Some of you may or may not have noticed last week on last week's show, by the time it aired, my cryptocurrency addresses have disappeared. They have disappeared. I was taking Bitcoin, Monero. I've at the current time lost my ability to cash it out into money these things happen and i mean just my, my my current wallet and wallet addresses that stuff is fine but i have lost my ability to cash this out i will probably get that reinstituted at some point but right now the crypto addresses are off drop something in the mail i'm for, for now we're just rolling with the snail mail Anybody can, you want the ultimate privacy coin? The ultimate privacy coin is fill out an envelope. That's, and ain't nobody don't know how to fill out an envelope. If you're young and for whatever reason you don't know how to fill out an envelope, go ask your mom and daddy. Go ask your grandparents for sure. They're going to know. They can tell you. Don't be embarrassed. So I need to fill out this envelope. Fill out the envelope. We're using the, we're using the snail mail. I'll probably, maybe, I don't know. I haven't decided for sure yet. To reinstitute, get the uh, crypto addresses. Honestly, it's kind of a hassle. It is. I mean, here in the U.S., they're very, they really crack down. So, like, you have to fill out, and I do. I don't give them any excuse. Give me a hard time to fill out these tax forms. If you've, you know, done anything with cryptocurrency, you have to fill out this tax form at tax time. It's a pain in my ass. I'm going to be honest with y'all. It's a pain in the ass. I don't like doing it. So, um, yeah, anyway, it is what it is so right now we got the snail mail i ask that you put something in the snail mail if you want to pay your tithes it is going to be appreciated don't be sitting there like oh i ain't messing with filling out an envelope then you didn't get much out of the show then that just is what it is i just you know i'll keep doing what i do anyway mr t can do it anybody can do it right mr t <laughs> that's that that See, that was my attempt at segueing into the listener supporter mailbag. GPD, uh, this is from Mr. T, in case you didn't, didn't guess. GPD, you once used a beautiful analogy to explain the Holy Trinity by using someone standing on a beach looking out at the ocean. Could you explain that again? I'm sure some new listeners would love it too. And like I said, that's from Mr. T. Thank you, Mr. T. That's the end of our listener supporter mailbag. <laughs> snail mail. Got to do the snail mail. Apologies, Mr. T. I pondered this. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't remember. <laughs> There's no way to sugarcoat it. I could sit here and say, I could sit here and say, well, I've got an even more. In I could pull something out of my ass and, 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 and try to snow you. But I honestly don't remember. I'm sure it did. I'm not calling you a liar. Don't get me wrong. But I say a lot of stuff, and I don't remember. I use a lot of analogies, and I honestly don't don't remember. But but I'm going to make it up to you. I really am. I, I'm going to make it up to you because in the Christian-specific segment coming up, we're going to hit something. There are going to be some hard, hard truths, I'm telling you. It's like I'm having a psychic moment, and I'm telling you, I make it up because they're going to be memorable. And if you want to remember this line, you may jot yourself a note down. It was on show number 255. Because we had 255 of these shows. If I made a point back in show number 176, I'm sorry, I'm not going to remember. I, I, it's embarrassing. It is. It's embarrassing. I, I 
I'm just probably not going to remember. I'm telling y'all truth. But that's okay. Thank you, Mr. T. I, I, I do appreciate it. Every week, I always know there's going to be at least one envelope. <laughs> one envelope in the snail mail. Hopefully, I'll start seeing a few more since that's what I've got going. That's what I've got going right now. Okay, so what we're going to talk about as we wait to get to the Christian specifics, I want to talk a little bit about the different standards that we hold. And when I say we, I don't just mean this broken society, which by and large, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's very ridiculous. But even, even as people, uh, even as among some of y'all, we have these different standards that we hold men and women from. We have these different now under a normal functioning non-clown world society that only makes sense because women have different roles, different capabilities. They're they're, they're different, so of course you're going to have you know a, a certain kind of you, you know there's a different way you deal with them. You know what I'm saying? You, you have a different standard that makes sense, but unfortunately we have this weird clown world thing and and people get really twisted up and 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 it's like i say it's it's one of those sad things because relationships between men and women should be like the most natural thing you don't even have to think about sort of thing and this tells you how screwed up our society is when things are this upside down i thought we'd talk a little bit about this because i think it is i think it is uh kind of kind of interesting you hear these stories all the time you know all these they hire these women Go be teachers, you know, in high school, and then they wind up banging. Oh, they said, well, they wind up banging some of the male students, and then you know they get their mug shot taken, and 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 they get they, they're going to go to prison, and they'd be talking about you know she sexually abused this sixteen year old young man. Now that's just silly. I'm sorry, it's just silly. I understand people be like, well, if it was a man doing it, they threw him under the prison, and I get that. But it's still silly. Come on now. You sit there and talk about she raped this horny 17-year-old. The monster. Let's all be honest. It's just silly. It's just silly. We hold women to this different standard, though. And it is destructive to them. Now, when you see, like in this case, you throw some woman, you know, in prison because she allegedly, quote-unquote, raped a 16-year-old young man this is this is a, this is a broken this is a broken society. i was thinking about it. it got me thinking about it, and i remember these random things it's it's so strange and a lot of times i remember these in the middle of the night i have no idea no idea why i remember reading about something and this was years ago and it is just a trivial thing this was so frustrating somebody will come at me and be like hey do you remember when you said you know, talked about this analogy and i can't remember and i try to remember and, but I'll wake up and remember a jingle from a cereal commercial from 1978. It, it drives me nuts. Two in the morning, I'm laying there, can't get this jingle out of my head. I'll remember things that are trivial that I read years ago. It's, it's frustrating. But I read something years ago. This time it's going to be useful, I think. I read something years ago, and it was about this thing. I don't remember the proper term for it. I'm not going to look it up because it is degenerate. But it was something along the lines of pig squealing. <laughs> pig squealing and what this is is like they were having these frat parties you know the popular guys the fraternity house and one of the guys like as a hazing initiative he would have sex with this fat girl which is probably most of them honestly but anyway with a fat girl that shows up at the frat party and then in the middle they'd be on the couch somewhere having sex all his frat buddies run in and start circling the couch squealing like a pig and of course, the the article was written as you know how terrible this is, you know how embarrassing this poor victimized young woman. Well, <laughs> I'm not obviously I'm not endorsing such behavior. In fact, I think it's ridiculous when I look back historically speaking. Young men this age would be working the fields with their families and working on having a farm of their own or, or something such as this. Instead, this is what our society, this is what this so-called progress has brought us to. You're having a party and you're running around pig squealing while some guy's up on top of some some fat chick pig squealing. This is, this is what we're at. But I was thinking about how you have the, you know, but the article was written, you know, of how, victimize this and you can't help but to read it and be sympathetic that'd be embarrassing for right 
you know, she, she, she's with this guy and, 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 and then all of a sudden this happens and she realizes they're just making fun of her and how cruel this is. But this begs the question, in such a case like this, there's going to be a point to this, by the way. It's hard to believe, but there is going to be a point to this. What was she doing there in the first place? You see, when a young man, say a young, say a young nerdy guy, young nerdy guy sits at the back of the class, and say he's got a crush on the hottest girl in class, which is probably the only girl that's under 180 pounds, and he's, he's it's America, pig squeal, hit that pig squealer, boy. <laughs> Y'all get that Porky's reference if you're old enough. He <laughs> hit that big squealer. Y'all are welcome to reuse that line because I stole it myself. And <laughs> anyway, so nerdy guy, he's sitting at the back of the class and he got a crush on the hottest girl in the class. And everybody knows he does. And his friends, the people in his social circle, they're inevitably going to tell him what? They're going to say, dude she's way out of your league you need to forget that she is way way out of your league and this would be true the guy and the the hypothetical nerdy guy in question might not like hearing it but it's for his own benefit those telling him that are not putting him down necessarily they're they're trying to save him from heartbreak and frustration but you see nobody tells females that I was thinking of that story. It's like, well, what's the fat girl doing at the frat party with all the hot jock guys or whatever the case may be? She's in there. She's trying to bat way out of her league. And ain't nobody going to tell her, these guys are out of your league, darling. All these women won't give nerdy. She should be the one that's over there maybe flirting with nerdy guy in the back of the class. He'd be thrilled to death. And he ain't going to have his friends running around hitting the pig squealer. He ain't going to be doing that. He'd probably be thrilled to death and, and treat her like a queen. But you see, as a society, we tell young women that all guys are in your league. So you have this ridiculous case where you have this tiny percentage of what females perceive to be high value young men. And these women that are like nowhere in the ballpark, they're all flocking in there like they got a shot too. And then you throw in alcohol and immaturity and you wind up with things like pig squealing. <laughs> I'm not going to make the sound again. I almost did, but I'm not. I always laugh when people talk about how backwards other countries and other cultures are. I do. I laugh at that. I look at these backwards countries, these people over here. They're so ignorant. They're not with the times. And then you look at what we got. How can you call anybody, anybody else's culture backwards? You'll have people, and if you, you show them a culture that has that still practices arranged marriages, and they'll say, oh, that's so backwards. That's, that's so crazy. But you got young women and young men who are just simply paired up. They don't have to deal with dating. They don't have to deal with any of that in these traditional cultures. And, and the young lady... She's paired up with a guy who is right in her, that's, that's who she needs to be with. Your parents are more than likely going to try to do the best for you. And you know what she's never going to have to undergo? People say, but she's never going to experience dating. And we know what quote unquote dating means in the West. It also means, yeah, yeah she's never going to get to experience dating. She also never, you know what else she's never, she's never going to get pig squealed neither. Whether she... <laughs> Whether she, she might rank a pig squealing or not, she she won't ever have to go through that because she's in a traditional society. I just this is this this is how broken things are. Nobody ever tells these young women, these guys are out of your league. You need to start, you know, you, you need to go flirt with nerdy guy in the back of the class. No, they up there like they're going to get the same guy that. The, the the prettiest girl in class is going to get, and nobody will tell them. Nobody will tell them, you know. These dudes are way out of your league. Don't go to the frat party. And women are the worst. You see, this is the difference, too, between male and female thinking. See, nerdy guys' friends, 
They have enough integrity. They will tell him, you know, that girl's way out of your league. Don't, don't, don't be going there. You know, don't, don't even try it. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to embarrass yourself. Again, it's a hard pill to swallow for a nerdy guy, but the, it's coming from the best place, and, and, and it's the truth. See, women ain't like that. You see, fat girls' friends, who are probably also, in all honesty, all honesty, fat as well, but they're not maybe as fat as she is, they will tell her, come on, you've got to go to the frat party with me tonight. You see, women are so ruthless in these situations like this, in these scenarios, they will, uh, they will, you know, like the old, uh, <laughs> look up the Hank Williams Jr. song sometime. Hank Williams Jr. is called Fat Friends and listen to that. It's a funny song, but it's true. And the answer to the question asked in the song, why do the best looking girls always have real ugly friends? Why are they always fat? See, where the nerdy guy's friends will say, she's out of your league. Don't do it. You'll embarrass yourself. You see, women, females will intentionally they will encourage the fat girl, come to the frat party. You know why? You, know, you might find a great guy there. Come on. Because they know that next to her, they're going to look better. <laughs> See, they're an accessory to make them look better. So, of course, they're going to drag her out there. Because when they would walk through the door and there's four of them. And all of them overweight. But this one really overweight is he's going to make the other three. They're going to look better. They do this. Women that are honest, if you can find one, they will tell you that women do this. They always undercutting each other. Oh, you would look so much better if you cut your hair short. If some woman's got long, beautiful hair. And what do the women around them tell her? You would look so much cuter if you got a bob. If you would cut all your hair off, you would look so much cuter. And what they mean is you would make me look cuter. That's the way women are. Isn't it amazing? We keep having all of this, what we're sold is progress in all aspects of our lives, our society. We have all of these things that are continually sold to us as progress. And yet things are progressively, have progressively gotten worse. And, they, and nobody's, they just talk about progress. It's like how they talk about the democracy values of who we are in an international rules-based order. And and the results of this are things are more and more, there, there's no rules. Everything's just convoluted. We keep having all of this progress and things are observably, continually getting progressively worse. I know I saw a deal uh, years ago, another years ago, and I probably, I'm sure I've told this story before, but see, I've officially declared myself to be old enough now to repeat my stories and get away with it. <laughs> I, I have self-declared my right, cashing it in, to uh, repeat my stories. I saw a story years ago as an interview with a, with a young Indian couple from India. And and they were an arranged marriage, and the 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 white woman reporterette was like, oh, how back, you know, basically putting it down, how backwards. How, and she, and of course, she focused entirely on the Indian wife, this young woman, this young Indian woman, and and you know, because she's just trying to, you know, it was it was it was yet another version of you would look so much cuter with your hair cut off. You should get a bob cut, and she focused. As I recall it, and this was years ago, she focused entirely on the Indian female here about, oh, you're missing out on so much and you haven't got to date and you were introduced to this man as a complete stranger and how awful that is and how and just negative, 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 negative. Instead of you would think a normal interview would be, this is something I don't understand. Like if I was conducting this interview, I would be coming at it because I want to know the truth. I'm interested. I get I, I, I laugh. Well, you know, I, I laugh. It's, it's, it, but it is it's it's silly when people and you know, when I've been called a hater because I'm actually very, very interested in other cultures and how they work. I actually like diversity in the sense that, you know, cultures on their own developing naturally as they should be. And I'm always, I am, I'm very interested in how other cultures operate and the way they think. If I was conducting this interview, it would just be about, well, what is this like? 
How do you go into this? What's your thinking on this? You know, how do you approach this? This is something foreign to me. How do you do this? I mean, what kind of mindset do you have? How do you deal with the fact that now all of a sudden you are married to somebody that, say, two months ago, you didn't even know who this person was? But that's not, of course, the way it was. She focuses on the Indian female and she's telling her, you missed out on so much and oh, how awful this is and backwards. Very, very condescending, as I recall it. And I always remember because the Indian bride, she responded and she said, well, I look at your country and your divorce rates and the failures in your relationships. And I don't really think you have room to talk about how we're doing it because we have a higher success rate so it seems like our way is working better it was a pretty sick burn at the time i can imagine the lemon sucking from the aging out woman reporter that was doing the interview it was just like she ate a bag of lemons all at once but it was the truth all of our progress and people believe it. Like the woman reporter actually probably believed or Maybe she's just telling herself. Maybe she's the female version of the Wojak that's crying with the smiley face mask on. But a lot of people really do honestly think that all of this is progress. And I find that baffling. I do. I find that baffling that people have this inability to just simply look at the results. You know, look at the results of the few times when... When the left gets called out on their destructive policies and they always go back to, oh, no, we're intending to make people's lives better. And it doesn't matter what their their policies, what community, what segment of the population they're intended to they're intended for. They're always destructive and they and, and, and they're just like, well, don't look at the results. Look at what we say we're trying to do. Stop helping me would be the response. If somebody was supposedly trying to help you, it'd be like, please stop helping me. You're making things worse. As a man, you've probably been at work or been working on a project and you got a coworker or a friend or somebody who, who who's quote unquote helping you with the project. And at some point in time, you've had to stop everything and look at them and say, stop helping me. <laughs> You're making everything worse. Just quit. Go away. I appreciate you trying. Go away. That's what needs to happen as a society. The left is always saying, oh, we're progressing. We're helping. Look at all the help they've given to the black community. It hasn't really the results speak for themselves. They've made things worse. Of course, they'll try to sit around and, and, and they create these fables, these stories. Look at what they've done to marriage. Look at what they've done to women. Women are more miserable now than they've ever been. So what they do is they create these made-up stories. They create this image of, oh, yes, you know, 60 years ago, women were in the house and their husbands came home smelling of perfume and just beat the shit out of them, called them names and locked them in the closet. I'm a being obviously a, a, a little over the top, but it's along that lines. They try to create this false narrative so that when people look around at how bad things are and how miserable women are today, these women will say, oh, but it's better. At least I'm not locked in the closet with a black eye. My drunken husband abusing me. <laughs> you always know what side is the destructive and lying side because they always have to make up a story. They always have to come up with this extreme example. You see this pattern over and over. When you talk about you know, banning abortion, what do they always say? Oh, yes, you're against abortion. Yes, I'm against abortion. What in the what, what about if, say, in the case of a uh, teenage girl is raped by her very biological father and gets pregnant, is going to have a child with three heads because of the incest? Are you still against abortion then? And then, of course, the person's taken aback by this and says, well, well, I, 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 you're saying she should be forced to bear the child of her biological father that's going to have three kids. Are you going to help her take care of this, this child? People don't know how to respond. It's a made-up story. Stop. It's a made-up story. And they have to make it up. They're trying to deflect you from the fact that they're just sacrificing infants to mullock. Same as it ever was. The real reason you're doing it is you're going to have more money. 
You don't know that they, they talk about when they used to used to sacrifice infants, burn them alive in the fire from a look. They did this because they thought they'd have more money. It would bring a financial blessing for them if they burn their infants alive in the fire and sacrifice them. That's why they did that. And that's what abortion is. 99.99% of these abortions aren't because, oh, she was raped by her biological father and she's going to have a child with eight with three heads. No, it's because they're promised, well, you can't really afford a baby right now. You don't need all this. And, of course, the reason she's pregnant is the entire society, you know, she got pregnant while these guys were running around pig squealing. Imagine that. She got pregnant at the, at the, the, the romantic moment when a bunch of guys ran into the room and ran around going, hitting the pig squealer. <laughs> and she got pregnant. Maybe if she wasn't out whoring about, maybe she wouldn't have gotten pregnant. Wouldn't have to get the abortion to begin with. They're not allowed to say that because you see, this is progress. We're not backwards. We're not backwards like these other cultures. They have to make up these imaginary scenarios to justify their failures. You see them in other just completely unrelated things, like. If you go to the movie, like they have to invent victories for the U.S. military. You ever notice that? Like in the movies, like if you have a movie, they have to invent victories. You're going to have to have an alien invasion and boy, the U.S. military is there fighting the aliens. Either that or they have to go back and make, you know, the six millionth World War II movie. The U.S. military, they have to invent, they have to create these because you know they don't want you looking around at how is it working though today <laughs> how well is it functioning today they got to have an alien invasion got to have an alien invasion so the US military can shine on the silver screen to make up these stories they make up these stories and goes back to our original my original point here Young women watch these stories and what? They got some plain ugly girl and yet this guy just falls for her for how she is because she's such a beautiful, special person. See, everybody around is looking and she's just this plain Jane and the hottest guy in the room has magically fallen in love with her because she is so special. Women, like children, internalize this. You see, man watches that and he knows that's bullshit or he should. He sees something like that. He knows. That's bullshit. You watch If you're a man and you, for some reason, watch a movie or TV show and like this, the, the nerdy guy in class, the hot girl in class suddenly falls madly in love, you know in your heart of hearts, that's bullshit. It, that ain't going to happen. Women don't do that. They like little kids and that. They watch that and they believe that. I saw it on a movie. I could get the hottest guy. These, these frat guys, these jock frat guys, I have a chance with them. Why, see, look, this guy across the room, he keeps coming over and chatting me up, see? And they turn it around, same girls that sit around later after she gets pig squealed and say, oh, that's, I feel so bad for you. That's a t-. They know what's going on. Her quote unquote friends standing around, these guys coming up top, they know. They sitting there snickering. And the same bitches be out later when she's out bawling about getting pig squealed and now she's pregnant. They'd be like, oh, you said you're so terrible. It's so terrible. Where was you? Where was you when these hot fried guys were coming up chatting her up? This guy was chatting her up. He was like, see, girl, you remember that movie you saw? This is happening now in real life. It's programmed into her little peanut brain. It's just like this. It's just like this movie. I didn't think I had a shot with this guy. And this guy is really he's into me because I'm special. You special. All right. It's like a special on pork chops, which pork butt they run a special at the butcher shop on pork butt that's how you special you're gonna get pig squealed and ain't nobody saying anything different as a result everybody's more and more miserable people are not fulfilling the role and they keep selling it to us this is progress there's no way to go back there's no way to go back this is progress mock other cultures i don't i don't make fun of other cultures because they're other cultures. These are other people. They are a different race. They have a different way. I, as I said earlier, I, I, I mean this. I, I'm fascinated by the way different cultures you know, live and, 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 and the way they view things. 
doesn't mean I want to go out and try to adopt it as my own. That wouldn't work because those are different people. You can highlight this. You, you get people to be look at the Taliban and it's like, oh my gosh, they make these 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 crazy Muslims. They make their women walk around in burqas. You live in a society that does child trannies and pig squealing, okay? I was so demeaning. These women have to walk around with a burqa on. I think that's less demeaning than getting pig squealed. But they're backwards. No, they're different. They're different. I I'm, I really I I find it very fascinating. To see, to see why they do the things they do, and 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 traditional societies, societies that hold on to their traditions, they're making, they're they're doing better. They're more functional. They they're sticking with the systems that have functioned for thousands of years for them. Meanwhile, in the West, we're too busy. We've abandoned all our traditions and the things that worked for us for thousands of years. We've abandoned that for this new thing called progress. And somehow, through all this progress, we're not supposed to notice that things are getting worse and worse. <laughs> I, just, I sit there, I just, my mind is boggled. You just sit there and be like, oh, these women, they have it so hard. They can't go to school. They have to wear a burqa. How crazy. How backwards. You live in a society that does child trannies, and you know what they're not doing in those burkas? They're not getting pig squealed. I can tell you that. We're going to wrap up on that note and get into the Christian-specific segment. It'll be better in the first part. <laughs> hope you did enjoy the first part, and I hope you're sticking with us for the second part, because you know what to do. Get in there, fill those pews. Let's get into this week's sermon here at the Parish of the Patriots. This week in our Christian-specific segment, as is the case oftentimes, we're gonna, I want to kind of get back into something uh, touch back on something that we've touched on before, but from a different angle, perhaps, and maybe in a little more detail, a little different perspective. And I think we can gain a little more understanding of the world around us and, and whatnot. In so doing, I believe it is a part of, it's an intrinsic part of human nature that we are driven as spiritual beings to have a God. I mean, we, we, we just are. If you look, all kinds of different cultures, they have all sorts of, they'll have all some sort of religion. They have some sort of God inherent to their, to their culture. And I, I think this is just a part of, of human desire. I, I've said this before, but even atheist Spurgs, they actually have a God. They claim they don't believe in God. Well, they deny a God that they are accountable to, but they still have a God. The Bible words it something like their God is their own stomach. Their God is basically themselves, but they still have a God. If you if you listen close enough and, and pay close enough attention, they still have a God. Their God is themselves. They believe they themselves are basically the God of their own lives, the God of their own, own world. And with this being the case, that there is an intrinsic human need, a, a, a spiritual driven desire to seek out a, you know, a God, to have a God, it just stands to reason then if, if one isn't seeking and, and seeking their purpose and finding their purpose and following the true God, the creator God, the God that created all that we know and understand and see around us, then people will create another God. And by that extension, you, they are going to wind up being wrapped up in idolatry. Again, even somebody who says they're a hardcore atheist, they're in idolatry because their idol usually, by and large, I think, is, if you pay attention, is themselves. Now, I also believe that most people in this country, in the U.S., and I, I think probably in the West, but I, I, I can say in the U.S., because obviously that's where I live, I believe for most people in the U.S., their God is money, which is you know, a pretty standard thing to fall into. You read through the Bible, and and you know it's written that you cannot serve both the Lord and money. I believe for most people in in this country, their God is money, and this sadly includes a lot of people that go to church every Sunday. And and if you ask them, they'll say they're a Christian believer. But the truth of the matter is, their God is money. 
I so often reference were, you know, the rich man that came to Jesus and, and said, oh, I want to follow you. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, sell everything you have and pick up your cross and follow me. And he went away sad because he had money. You see, though, he didn't have room for Jesus because he already had a God. Jesus isn't going to share the stage with anybody. The Lord is not going to be second fiddle to some made up God. This man already had a God that he didn't actually have any room for the Lord. He wanted eternal life. He sought eternal life, but he couldn't find eternal life in the God he had, which is money. So he asked Jesus, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus told him straight up, well, first you got to get rid of this fake God that isn't actually going to ever bring you that. And then you can follow me. And of course, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. But see, he already had a God and he was unable to give that God up. Couldn't have his cake and eat it too. Couldn't stick with filthy lucre as his God and have eternal life. It's a either or. Most of the people in this country, if, if you pay attention and if push comes to shove, their, their God is, is, is money. Now, this, this isn't all going to be a rehash. I know at this point, many of you are sitting here going, we've heard this before. We know these shows are difficult not to sound, you know, say the same things over and over again. But come on, Dan. Bear with me. In the nationalist community, I have heard on numerous occasions. They'll be uh, online, for instance, or, or perhaps you listen to a podcast, and they'll religion. Christianity will often bring up this point of contention and there will be conflict. And, and people, understandably, don't like conflict and people get upset over the conflict. Never mind, most of the time my observation is the conflict is initiated by the atheist spurs. They, they, they can't stand that. They'd be like a violent reaction when Christian believers speak up and start speaking on behalf of of their beliefs on on behalf of the importance of knowing the Lord God who's created all things through his son Jesus Christ it is usually them instigating the con the uh, conflict but nevertheless oftentimes I have heard people in the nationalist community and they will say something along the lines of well you know religion just brings up conflict what we need to do is be united and once we fix you know, we get our nations back and we get our people back on track. We, you know, we get our nations back. Then we can have a discussion about religion. And some of these, uh, some of these uh, nationalist people I've heard say this are, are, you know, they're, they're Christian believers. And I'm not running those people down, but I sit here and I view that as you know, because we're all at a different stage. All of you listening, I assume you're most of you, the vast majority of the Christian believers, we're all at a different stage of development in our belief, in our faith. You know, this way is written. It says, "Have faith, uh, have patience with those who are of little faith." It's not demeaning to those. It means that we're all coming at this from somewhere, and we're all at different levels and different stages of understanding. And some people aren't maybe as far along as seeing certain things. I hope that makes sense. I think it will as we go on. So again, please bear with me. When someone says, you know, again, with all good, you know, all good intentions, they say, when we get our nations back and our people back and we get all of that squared away and get control of our governments again, then we can have discussions about things like religion. As if the Lord is a side quest you know this is not the main quest you see we we have this main this main thing to take care of and then we can do this side quest that's almost trivial and i believe in so doing they miss the whole point why are our why are our people why are the people so lost how did they get here to begin with if you read the Bible, you're familiar with the Bible, especially the Old Testament. The fall of nations is always precipitated, preceded by the people turning away from the Lord. Now, 
we've already mentioned that if man has an inherent need for a God, then when the people turn away from the Lord, that necessitates that they are going to create some other God. When they turn away from the true creator God, the Lord Almighty, that means they're going to wind up creating another God. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, you know, they had literal idols created that they would, they would bow down to. But remember, I believe in the West in general, and for sure in the U.S., most people's God, most people's idol is money. Now, here is an important <laughs> I, I, I would put this in bold lettering right here. This, I'm fixing to say something that is going to be kind of the meat of what I think I want to make a point of today. And so tune into this part right here. If most people's God is money, and I think that's a fair assessment for most people in the country. If most people's God is money, let me ask you something, and I think virtually all of you know the answer to this. In the U.S. in particular, but in the West in general for sure, let me ask you the question, who controls the money? All of you know that answer. Now let me say this, if your idol is money, Whoever controls the money controls you. Whoever, if, if <laughs> I've got to say it again, because I think this is a very, very important point. It's at the top of what I jotted down this week. If money is your God, whoever controls the money then controls you. Just as money controlled that rich man when Jesus said, sure, give up your money and, and, and you know, I'm the way to eternal life. And the guy could not do it. He was controlled by his money. Even to give up the offer from Jesus himself in person, face-to-face, -face, for eternal life, whoever controls that money will have control over you. And this, I believe, leads to the fallacy where well-meaning people who are nationalists will say, well, we can, we can do this side quest of, of Christianity and, and, and have that as some sort of, I don't know, intellectual discussion later after we fix everything. What are you fixing? And how did we get here? How did we get to, how did the people that you think you want to go out and quote unquote fix as if you're going to be able to fix them, as if you're going to be able to fix other people, as if you have that power? I sit here and do these. I, I, I've said this before. I believe the Christian specific segment is the most important part of the show. If, if Sven Longshanks came out of prison and said, Dan, you can't do the Christian specific segment anymore. I don't like it. We're not doing it. He's not going to do that, of course. If he did do that, then I'm done. That is my reason for doing that. I don't mind doing these other shows. I enjoy them to a certain extent. But I believe my purpose here is what we're doing right now, these, these discussions. That having been said, I'm not under any illusions that I'm fixing anybody. Sometimes I hear from some of you and you say, hey, hey, you know, on one of your recent shows, you, you spoke about something of the Lord and it really lifted me up and it really gave me motivation and, and praise God for that. And I, I, I say this, there's no false humility at all. I have, I'm under no impressions that I'm quote unquote fixing anybody. I don't have any control over anybody but myself, not over any of you listening, not over not over anybody. I have control over myself. Now, if you hear something as we have these discussions, which I hope you do, that lifts you up, then praise be to God for that. You know, because that message, that word of truth, maybe helps you out in some way, shape, or form. I'm not fixing anybody. I think this is a fallacy a lot of people fall into. We're going to fix our people, and then by that extension, we are going to fix our nation, and then once we fix all of that, we'll have the side quest of whether or not we want to be a Christian nation or maybe, I don't know, dance around a golden calf or something. How did we get here? How did we get here? Why? Okay, the people, the nation is obviously screwed up. How did it get there? People made decisions. I... <laughs> You know, our ancestors, I look at history, like the history of the U.S., and our ancestors, those who came before us, they step by step 
sold their people for a bag of silver. And it's like any other deal with the devil. When you, when you take the bag of silver, when you take the silver, when you take the money in exchange for it, it's the worst deal in the world. There's people, you see people, and they make deals. People in politics, they make deals. People who are celebrities, and you know, I, I, I'll open up a news page, and there's a big article about some, I don't know, singer, rapper, movie person, whoever. And, you know, they're the thing, and I'm supposed to really want to know what's going on with this person. I don't even know who they are. I realize that just sounds like old people, but but I, I don't even know who they are. Where did they come from? How did they get there? They made some sort of deal. When you make a deal, when you get the bag of silver, it is such a ripoff. Our ancestors, some along the lines, chose they chose to hand over control of the money supply to the banks who were by and large Jewish control. I mean, that's just a fact. So they sold out all of those who came after them for what amounts to a bag of silver. Now, when people make that deal, here's the ripoff. They get to enjoy that for a short period of time. But from the other standpoint, to flip the coin over and look from the point of the one who's paying them the silver... It's a great investment because eventually you know that silver, as they spend it and do whatever with it, because we live under a usury system, there's always more money owed in interest. There's always more money owed than what exists. And because we live under a usury system, the bag of silver means that eventually and inevitably that entire bag of silver is going to come right back around and right back into the pocket that it originally came out of. So those who sold out generations to come those who would come after them they sold them out for free i mean yeah they got to borrow the money for a little bit and that's all they're really doing is they're 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 borrowing the money for a little bit but eventually that money goes right back around and goes right in the pocket and they sold them out for nothing it's fine to sit here and say well that's that's a rotten deal but why would those ancestors of ours make that decision why? Because they had another God. See, this gets to the heart of the problem. They had, <clears throat> excuse me, they had another God. Money. That, that was their God. And there is the weakness. And this gets to the heart of the problem. This, this, this is our, this is why I think it is so, um, what do I want to say? It is, it, it is a mistake for people in the nationalist community who mean well. You know, I'm, I'm, they mean well, but it is an error to think you can treat the cause of the problem. If our ancestors that made that decision, when approached with it, were like, no, that's against God and man, and, and I would be dishonoring those who came before me and saddling those into slavery who are coming after me, I'm not taking that deal. The deal would have never been made. We wouldn't be here in the first place. So to say, well, you know, we can have this as a side quest later is to miss the point because you, you this is the problem. This is the problem. Again, it comes back to if, if your God is money, then whoever controls the money is going to control you because they can lead your idol around and you're going to chase that wherever. You're going to chase that wherever. The Hardy said earlier, I don't, I'm not under any illusions. I can fix anybody and neither can these people, neither can you, neither can anybody else, but God can. And fix, quote unquote, you know, getting our people back on track, saving our people, fixing our people, however you want to word it. You don't have, nobody has that sort of power. If you really believe that, then you have some sort of Messiah complex and, and, and you need to work on yourself. Quote unquote, fixing the people or getting your people back on track, however you want to say it. It comes down to individual people making the decisions to get themselves back on track, to get to cast away their idols, set their heart upon the Lord. And if enough people individually does that, do that, 
collectively that will start showing up. You will start seeing that as a movement. You will start seeing people refuse to take the bag of seal. The thing is, when people reject these idols, then all of a sudden they're not under control. Does that make sense? All of a sudden now they're not under control because they have rejected idols and turned back to the Lord. And this is where the start of correction happens because you can't fix other people. But if you get people and if enough people make the decision, you know what? I'm not living right. I'm going to start living with honor. I'm going to start living as I'm supposed to be as a man created in the image of God. I'm going to, that means something. I'm going to start, my word is going to mean something. What I tell people is going to start meaning something. How I live my life, my priorities, these are all going to start meaning something. It is written, do not be yoked with unbelievers. There's often discussion, what does that mean? You know, and I myself, I've worked through that. What, what does it actually mean? Don't be yoked with unbelievers. But if you think about this in the context of if somebody's God or somebody's idol is money and who controls the money controls that person, then if you were yoked with unbelievers, I can point to you and tell you where the weak link in your, in, in your chain is going to be because they're always vulnerable. They're always going, they're always, if, if their idol is money, then whether their money is threatened or whether they're offered the bag of silver at some point in time, bing ping pong, I found the weak link in your chain. It's always going to be there. Yet if all the links in your chain are men who believe they answer to God himself, they answer to the eternal, the outcome that matters for them is the eternal the temporal threats mean nothing to them because they are building towards the eternal, towards the spiritual. There ain't a whole lot you're going to threaten men like that with. But a man who's involved, whose God is money, he's, he's, he's already controlled whether he understands that or believes that or means for that to be the case or not. Just like the rich man when Jesus said, we'll sell everything you had. No, couldn't do that because his money was his God. Imagine, to, to extend this a little further, applying this to the nationalist community, imagine imagine your nation, wherever you live, if it's formerly, I guess you would say, white nation. Imagine that nation, if all of a sudden all of the white people in that nation were not a people that had gone a-whoring after idols, if their gods were not money, if every one of them stood for what is right, and applied their hearts to the Lord, everything would change overnight. It really would. I used to. I don't get it anymore, really. I think because those people moved on, and that's fine. But I used to. I used to sometimes get heated emails and whatnot. They want to hear because one of the rules of doing these, of, of podcasting, doing any kind of show, commentary show, um is and i don't know who originally said this i'd give them credit if i did but it is a truth so i will repeat it and that is people don't want to hear your opinion as a podcaster is, is any kind of a commentary host whether you, you, know, you big time or just you know little podcast or whatever people don't want to hear your opinions they want to hear their opinions coming out of your mouth that's what they want to hear that's what they want to eat up now it's a fool's errand to start chasing that because there's a lot of different people a lot of different opinions but anyway setting that aside and to try to stay on point and and remember i said just imagine because i kind of wandered off the reservations so i want to bring this back into focus imagine if our people if, if white people as a people suddenly turned their hearts to the lord they're going to live honorably they're not going to have any false gods they're not they're going to apply their hearts to the eternal and i said things would turn around from time to time, I used to, and like I said, I don't much anymore. I, I used to sometimes get, shall we say, heated messages. I want to hear, people want to hear, they want to hear, I, I, they would say something along the lines, of, you know, I, they basically, they want to hear me rant about the Jews. You need to be, you need to be talking about these Jews. We want to hear you talk. I, I, I want to, we, as if they're speaking for everybody, want to hear you rant 
about these Jews. I, I'm, you need to be going harder on these Jews. Let me tell you something. And I say this with 100% sincerity. They're 2% of the population. If 2% of the freaking population is running your country, they're not the problem. I mean, they do things that, that warrant critique. I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not quote-unquote letting them off the hook here. But let's be honest. If 2% of the population is running everything in a country that at one point in time was controlled by, say, 80% of the population, I realize it's not now, but if you look back over the history of your nation, at one point in time, 80, 90% of your population was white people, and somehow this 2% got control of everything, the 2% isn't the problem. That's just, I don't know how to put it any other way. And a lot of y'all probably get pissed off hearing that, but you know that's how the truth works. That's, that's how you know it's working it's like whenever your mama used to give you medicine, you'd be like, Mom, I don't like it. It tastes bad. And she'd say, that's how you know it works. It tastes bad. Truth's like that. When it's stinging, you know it's working. At one point in time, your nation was 70, 80, 90%. And somewhere along the line, our wonderful people let 2% start running everything. I can sit here and spend... Hours on hours bitching about the 2%, but that doesn't get to the heart of the problem. If we're even now, and we're nowhere like 80, 90% in any of these white countries, you know, formerly white nations now, but even with the percentage now, if white people turn to the Lord and set their hearts right and quit, went a whoring after idols and started doing what is right, even at 40% of the population, the power of that 2% is suddenly diminished. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of a fool's errand to get hung up on the 2% when you have this whole vast, you know, multiple more percentage of people. Why? Why did this come about? How did we get here? You can't fix a problem if you don't understand. How did we get here? And I'm telling you, historically, when the people turn away from the Lord, this is where it goes. Because if your God is money, whoever controls the money controls you. They can lead you wherever they want you to go. And just take a little bit to think about that. Some of y'all are probably offended about what I just said. But before you get offended and storm off, just re-listen to that and really think about the truth of that. How absurd it is. That several generations back, your country was 80, 90 percent uh, white people. And somehow along the lines, 2 percent started running everything. I mean, they, you know what I'm saying? How did that happen? Who, you know, I mean, they didn't wrestle. They were not capable of forcing, you know, stealing that, just getting that and forcing the 80, 90 percent to give them that. They're only 2%. They're literally powerless with their percentage. The problem is enough of the 80-90% sold it to them for a bag of silver. And you can sit around and bitch about the 2% all you want to, but as long as that 80-90% is willing to sell it for a bag of silver, you're wasting your time. There can be nothing in the listener's support a mailbag next week. Not with a message like that, but it's truth. And if you're not going to address the 80, 90 percent that are still out there, and it's worse now, the va the vast majority of people, their their God is money, and if that's the case, you, any other errand, anything else is a fool's errand. You're going to quote unquote fix the people. You're going to get the people back on track. You ain't even addressing the problem. I'm sorry, it's not going to go anywhere, and it doesn't. You watch time and time again people who are well-meaning. If you can't get to the core, they can't get to the root of the problem, you're never going to fix it. People got to fix themselves. They got to get back on track and enough collectively do that. They're not going to be swayed. And then all of a sudden, things start looking different. Now, again, it's the truth. Sorry, but not sorry. It's, it's the truth. I'm not going to apologize for the truth. That is what it is. And again, I hope you know, think about that and, and, and actually, you know, what that means. You know, if you've got a person who's an, as an individual person, 
and their life's a wreck. You know, say uh, if you're a man and you wake up one day and say you're 45 years old, uh, you're estranged from your kids. Your kids won't have anything to do with you. None of your family will have anything to do with you. You, 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 you. Nobody around you. You don't have any bonding and lasting relationships that mean anything. Uh, your finances are a wreck. You're just miserable and unhappy with your life. If you're not going to be able to stop and say, okay, well, there's a reason. You know, you, you, if you're not a, able to stop and look at yourself and say, you know, I, I have gotten here somehow. As long as you're hung up and <laughs> as long as you're hung up in a spot where it's everybody else's fault, then you're never going to get anywhere. And it's a comforting thing to say, well, my life sucks and it's everybody else's fault. A man who has that attitude is never has he's never gonna move from where he's at. I always say your life where you're at, by and large, by and large, where you're at in life is the result, the collective result of the decisions you've made. The result of your collective decisions is where you're at. Yes, other people make decisions that affect your life. I get that. But by and large, where you're at can be traced back to this is the result of the decisions you've made. And this is where you're at. If I always tell people, if you're miserable where you're at, you got to start making different decisions. If you stay in the same decision-making pattern, you're going to keep getting the same results. It sounds simplistic, but I mean, it is simplistic because, I mean, it's just the truth. If, as long as you keep making the same decisions, you're going to keep being. If you have no lasting relationships, none of your family likes you, nobody nobody around you likes you, nobody wants to be around you and talk to you, you, you are the problem. You're the problem. It just, it's a fact. You start changing yourself. You, you got to say, okay, well, I got to start making different decisions. And these decisions I'm making are counterproductive, to put it gently. They're destructive. I keep, I have a pattern of poor decision making. I need to do something different. I just, even if it's a wild guess, I tell people sometimes, I'll be like, look, they'll be like, well, I don't know what to do. But to make a different decision. Whatever that may be, even if it's just something wild out of left field, if it's different from the decisions you usually make, you will get a different result. Maybe better, maybe worse, but at least it'll be different. You've got to start from somewhere. Do something radically different. <laughs> because as long as you stay in making those same decisions, you're going to stay right where you're at. And that's a fact. And as long as people as a group, collectively, individually, when I say collectively, I mean people are making the same basically individual decisions. As long as they're making that same individual decision that is having a collective result as the group, then you're going to get the same collective result. You've got to get individual people have to make the decisions to start getting on the right path themselves. And if enough do so, you're going to start seeing a collective result from that. You're going to start seeing a collective result when enough numbers are applied. But those numbers come from individual people choosing to get back on the right path, choosing to turn back to the Lord instead of being led around by the nose by someone holding a gold coin on the end of a stick going, come this way, go over here, jump through these hoops. Anyway, we'll wrap up on that note. Think about it. Think about it. If you need to go back and re-listen Go back and read this. If your God is money, whoever controls the money controls you. You can sit there and deny it. You can sit here and shake your head and say, no, no, not me. Yes, they do. Because they ultimately can lead you wherever they want you to go. Whether it's a carrot or a stick, it, it, wherever, whoever your, whatever your God is, whoever controls that thing, by extension, will control you. They can lead you, prod you, herd you, whatever. Think about that. Let it soak in. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope I'll see all of you back next week for the Parish of the Patriots. <laughs>